0: Welcome to the Dive Into Reiki podcast. I'm Natalie, and together we will enjoy a series of conversations that explore the journey of Reiki practitioners and teachers from all lineages. 100% Reiki-focused stories, 100% human. Hi, and welcome to Dive Into Reiki. With today, with a very, very special guest, very close to my heart, Francine. I'm Natalie. I've been practicing Reiki for 15 years, and I'm the author of two books, uh, The Reiki Healing Handbook, and Reiki is a spiritual practice. But Franz, obviously, is actually my mentor, teacher, and dear friend. He's been a major influence on global research into the system of Reiki since the early 2000s. His practical (laughs) understanding of the Japanese influences on the system have allowed students around the world to connect deeply with this practice. And He's the co-founder of the International House of Reiki and Shibumi International Reiki Association with Brown and Steen. And he co-authored some of my favorite books, the critically acclaimed uh, The Reiki Sourcebook, Japanese Art of Reiki, AZ of Reiki Pocketbook and Your Reiki Treatment, and two very, very special books written from his practice, The Inner Heart of Reiki and Reiki Insights. But most of all, he's a fantastic human being and what I love about France is that he really embodies uh, the practice 24-7, uh, do not anger, do not worry, in a very joyful, down-to-earth way. And if you go to a class with France, prepare to laugh, cry, hug. It's freaking amazing. Uh, so, Franz, welcome. How are you?
1: Good morning. I'm doing well, thank you, good to Good to be here and good to be talking to you. Yes, yes, it's exciting. I'm ready.
0: Yes, I'm I t- just going to say that I didn't understand Reiki practice very much. I loved it and I was very attracted to it until I read your book, The Japanese Art of Reiki. And then I'm like, oh, that's what I was feeling that made sense and I couldn't understand before. So I really appreciate because I think I'm still practicing Reiki because of your books and then your classes and retreats. So thank you so much for joining us today. And I'm really excited because obviously we're going to go through your journey, but we're going to be uh, zeroing on Reizu, initiations or attunement, how we want to call them. And I think it's a really amazing understanding that you can allow. And I'm really excited about sharing this uh, with everyone in the Reiki community. But let's start with the beginning. Uh, you were a Friday boy and suddenly you came in contact with Reiki. So if you can, can give me a little bit of your origin story.
1: Yes, I was a big party person. <laughs> I love dancing. I still love dancing, but I don't do it that often anymore, unfortunately, yeah. just, you know, yeah. at home. Um, but, uh, yeah, I suffered from uh, lower back problems and I moved from Holland to India and I lived there for two years. And then I came in contact in the Himalayas with uh a lady who was a healer and she did something for me with me whatever and that triggered for me a really big opening and awareness and I started to buy books on all sorts of spiritual practices what was highly unusual for me and one of them was the system of Reiki and uh, I thought well that sounds interesting And so then in Kathmandu, Nepal, I studied Reiki one, two, and three. And then for a year with Brahman, we had a Reiki center in Darjeeling for a year.
0: That is amazing. And how did you go from like studying Reiki? And then I remember you had a story that one day, the way you started teaching was then someone approached you like, hi, you know, do you know someone teaching Reiki? So, how did you feel confident enough? Like, what made you say, "Like, hey, I can teach this, right?"
1: Yeah, that was really bizarre. We just had done our first Reiki three class. I've done many uh, because I think learning never stops, of course. And we this was in Kathmandu. We're standing in front of um, Pelgrims, a really famous bookstore in Kathmandu. We just had done a Reiki three. What actually at that time was terrible. <laughs> it was the it was the and then you get a copy of a book. And of course, bye, see you later. Work it out yourself. And this couple comes towards us. And literally, I mean, in, in that area of Kathmandu, there's thousands of tourists. And for whatever reason, they pick us out. And they say, excuse me, do you know any Reiki teachers around here? And we go, uh, well, uh, we just did a Reiki teacher class, but we have no idea. <laughs> um but go inside there is a, a notice board there must be some people teaching reiki and they went in and we go like well this is bizarre i mean this is like how is this possible out of all these foreigners walking around here and standing here that they pick us out this is a sign so we followed them back in and said well if you give us a week we will prepare <laughs> class and we teach it for free and you can become our first students and that was it
0: oh my god So a little bit, I would love for you to go from that moment, that first training, that first achievement you were referring to the style you train now. What is your style now and how has your vision of that training changed over the years?
1: Well, the, the way I was taught first, it was very externalized. Everything was seen as something outside of yourself, you know. And when I lived in Darjeeling for a year and also communicated uh, with Tibetan Buddhist teachers and practitioners there, it's a very big community in Darjeeling, uh, they were really pointing towards insight. And I start to have certain experiences and some of these experience I could not understand. And so I went to a Tibetan practitioner and I said, oh, you know, uh, can I explain this to you? And he said, yes. Okay. And he said, well, this is really what we're looking for in the Tibetan Buddhist tradition. When you're deepening your practice, what are you practicing? Are you practicing Buddhism? I go like, I don't know. I'm, I'm <laughs> and, and so I was I was really wondering what was I really practicing and so yeah in 2001 for the first time to Japan I've been quite a few times and since 2012 I trained with a Japanese priest and that for me has really changed a lot. Already prior to that and really developing myself and looking at the Japanese ideas of spiritual practice really internalize it and really seeing also where Mikasui's teachings came from what was he himself practicing and when we look at these teachings of Mikasui the precepts meditation hands-on healing symbols and mantras and reju or nowadays called the or initiation we can really clearly see that he borrowed from Japanese esoteric teachings like Shugendo, Mikyo, Shinto, Zen, et cetera, to create a system what we practice now. So it's changed a lot for me, absolutely.
0: I love that. And I love what you're saying going from external to internal. And I find some people have a lot of resistance because it's almost like, how can I, me, myself, poor human with issues offer a, like a space of healing? And yeah. that is what sometimes I see people like with the Japanese is very shocking, right? Like, you are the outsider, there is no outside. I don't know if you, if for example, if I'm like just learning Reiki the way I learned when I was channeled, how can you tell me you're good enough? Like, you don't need to go outside. I don't know what kind of advice you will give someone for that.
1: Yeah, I think we're so focused outside, everything is outside of ourselves, you know? And so, also, I think it's quite challenging to go within for a lot of people. You know, if you really think about Mikasui's teachings and we look at the precepts, for example, there they are in Japanese, do not anger, do not worry, then where do we store this trauma of anger and worry and fear inside the body, not somewhere outside over there, but inside the body. And therefore, when we want to be, even when we say we're a channel, then we have to be a clear channel. You know, if I have a, a straw... And if that's the channel, then the straw needs to have no hole, no kink, no knot, else the channel cannot be a good channel. So even if we see it ourselves outside of ourselves, and we have to think that we are a channel, then we still have to purify it. And we have to go it in because that's where we store our anger and worry and fear. But it's all also challenging. And I think a lot of people find it very difficult to face their own fears and worry and anxiety. And this is, I think, why also a lot of modern healing practices have become very externalized.
0: No, that makes complete sense. So in your practice today, because obviously when you just learned at the beginning, it was probably very much hands-on healing based. If you tell me what is your practice today and how often do you change it, uh, what will it be?
1: Yeah, for me, hands-on healing, I mean, of course, hands-on healing is a birthright. You know, you see uh, it's snowing today. You see kid falling automatically straight away. They put their hands on their knee or mom and dad run over and put their hands on their knee. It's a birthright. doesn't mean they all have been practicing the system of Reiki, but it is an innate ability. However, of course, we can do hands-on healing with anger, with worry, with fear, with not being grateful, not being true to our being, and not being compassionate. And this sounds very simple, but actually it's really, really deep. So if we can do a hands-on healing in that space of true compassion, what is true compassion? No attachment, completely open, emptiness, non-duality, etc., then of course, hands-on healing will be something quite different. So for me, I really see hands-on healing as a byproduct of your spiritual practice.
0: I love that. It's for me like doing hands-on healing like that is almost like it's as you say it takes a lifetime to get there right but also Absolutely. i think sometimes we see hands-on healing like oh I'll relieve the pain in my knee or it didn't work because it didn't take away my headache and we forget but i'm feeling calmer and happier and that is a lot more important so sometimes we really go for this healing and fixing versus yeah. just exploration of the self in a way
1: yeah, and you know, this is so clearly, again, Mikasui pointed it out so clearly in the precepts. You know, it's all about the mind, the mind of no anger, the mind of no worry, the mind of being grateful, the mind of being true to your way, and you're being in a mind of being compassionate. As we all know, man, that is difficult. Shit, that is so difficult, right? Particularly at this time. So nowadays, also, instant classes, instant attainment, radio initiation. And then we go like, oh, yeah, but but it's not working. And I still feel angry. I still feel worried. Yeah, but have you sat on your butt and do your practice? Because that is really where it takes place. And, you know, this is for me so important. Why also the Japanese way is really essential if we want to become a better human being what is a better human being is a human being full of compassion and kindness and love and openness
0: i was giving a podcast yesterday for uh, martial arts and they were telling me like how can you feel the improvement in the bread how can you become better at breathing? And I was like, we don't have an idea of improvement in Reiki. We have an idea of going deeper and exploring. And he was looking at me like I was a mad woman. But I think that is such an important shift, even in martial arts or in Reiki. Like, it's not about fixing yourself. It's really about getting to know yourself or your true self, right? So if I get yes. a peek, sorry to interrupt you. If I get a peek at Frankenstein, when no one is looking at him, where are you practicing? <laughs>
1: throwing snowballs
0: (laughs) throwing snowballs can be reiki yeah
1: Um, for me at the moment uh, there is some very specific practices I've been practicing with the specific instruction of my teacher in Japan this priest to really gain a much deeper and direct experience of ultimately the precepts, you know, embodiment of the precepts, embodiment of the Reiki three symbol and mantra, great bright light, inner luminosity. And those, for me, are really essential. So it involves quite a lot of chanting. Uh, Yeah, meditation practice, really learning to focus. I think also in our society, we're so unfocused. And why do we get angry? Why do we get worried? Because we get distracted by the past, we get distracted by the future, and we get distracted ultimately by the present moment. So the practices I really am doing is... Try not to get distracted by past, present, future, what is really, really difficult. And um, yeah, this is why I have to, pr- particularly, I have to practice till the end of my life because we have all a lot of shit. So, yes.
0: Yes. Welcome to being human. We have. Also <laughs> that. So, you've many times said the core of the system is the precepts, right? What I would love for you to see, I think sometimes people see the Reiki system as very separate. I'm a Reiki one, I use my hands, then I learn a symbol. They don't see the connectivity with the precepts and with everything else. Yeah, so yeah. we would love if you can give your point of view the same way we're interconnected. The precepts are in a way the link that connects the whole system.
1: Yeah, absolutely. For me, that's really the base. It's the foundation. I, I mean, you know, the, this idea comes in my mind. If we think it doesn't really matter, then would it matter if I get a hint on healing from a junkie or from the Dalai Lama. Of course, there will be a huge difference because the Dalai Lama is in this huge state of mind of great bright light or kindness and compassion. And we all know that if someone is angry or depressed or worried and fearful, that their body is like this, their energy is like that, their mind is like that. So therefore, of course, energy is not flowing. And, you know, it's really simple, but it's so simple that often we don't see it because we like to make it complicated. But it's actually so simple that if we are kind and compassionate, and I'm not talking about, oh, oh, oh that kind of kind, but true kindness, what is ultimately, again, non duality. And again, Mikasui is pointing that out within the mantras, for example, in Reiki 2 and Reiki 3, really, really clearly. And so that inner luminosity, your your inner true self, what is that? That is actually the state of no anger, no worry, being grateful, being true to your way and you being and compassionate. So the precepts are an explanation of your true nature, of your true self, of that inner luminosity. And I think it's simplified too much. You know, we say, oh no, I'm, I'm never angry, I'm never worried, I'm really compassionate. But if you really be honest to yourself, then you realize that is not really the case. So, yeah.
0: also, there is no light without darkness. So, you know. Absolutely. we bring the gas to position and all of that, I think, well, what you're describing is called here in America as bypassing, spiritual bypassing, right? So we yeah. are not in touch with the dark side of ourselves because it's uncomfortable and we don't want to be angry, but actually when we accept it, it kind of washes away. It's a very strange thing. It's like pain, if you run away from it, you know, like it becomes more insidious, so.
1: Well, absolutely, yeah. But I,
0: I think it's lovely that Reiki gives you that platform to hold and be able to process those things. So, yeah. Sorry, I'm interrupting you a lot today.
1: No, no, no. I was just thinking it's it's a little bit if I would have wear, worn this sh- this shirt, this top for a while. And if I wash it, then, of course, we, we see a lot of uh, dirt coming off it. And we celebrate that because we know actually we come to the the purity of the, the cloth of the, of the jumper and but when that happens in our own practice we go like oh no i don't want to touch it oh i can see my anger quickly let me go into la la lent and therefore meditation mindfulness often as well yoga tai chi qigong, uh, the system of reiki often has uh moved the other way and has become an escape, really, instead of really dealing with your anger and worry and fear so that you can lay bare your innate compassion.
0: No, that, is, that is a big, big truth. And I think it's becoming even more true because we're teaching Reiki without any grounding. Yes. So most of the trainings are really uh, in probably the heaven center, what we call the heaven center, which is your connection to the source, but it's La yeah. it's La Land, right? If you don't bring it into the body, because if you don't embody it, you know, it becomes spiritual bypassing because it's angels and happiness, and then you crash, lose your keys, lose your job and become more emotional. So if someone is feeling a little bit emotional, La La Landy and a little bit unstable with the Reiki practice, which I'm getting a lot of feedback from some of my students, what is the one thing you would recommend?
1: I mean, this is essential. Again, I was just uh, looking through the yoga sutras. Again, even there, very clearly focus. You know, don't get distracted by attachments, worries, fear, past, present, future. So, it's again, is, is being focused. And specifically, first of all, focus on the hara or your danchen or the root chakra or sacral chakra, grounding, centering, essentially in this time when there is so much stuff here, as you say, heaven stuff, and we're not really grounded. So we're this upside down pyramid and we go Wee! like this. Mm-hmm. And therefore we're so unstable and therefore we get really quickly angry and worried, etc.
0: Yeah, no, I've noticed because some people, they're practitioners and they're offering a lot of sessions and then they're angry and then they're like, why am I angry as a practitioner if I just study Reiki not to be angry? yeah so it's basically like of grounding as you say right
1: it is and this is why the essential elements are really sitting on your butt and doing the meditation practice but most of the time we see the system of reiki as oh you have the achievement or initiation rage or whatever you call it you put your hands on someone and we do hands on healing on someone eh, also on yourself, but most of the time, people go like this and fall asleep. In reality, they're just sleeping. They're not really doing hands-on it. healing. And then we say, oh, the energy is doing it for me. And we, we've become so superficial in it. Excuse me, but it's true. And it's really easy to check. You know, If someone hits you on the head, do you get angry? Do you get worried? Do you get fearful? Are you reacting with compassion or not? I mean, it's, it's a very easy checklist the precepts if and how you're doing with your practice
0: yeah it's funny the other day i was in the subway and we have a lot of crazies but there was this woman and with the pandemic i'm a little bit more nervous she was screaming at me like 20 centimeters away she had a mask that will fall and she was screaming about jesus christ and all of that right and but she's screaming about love so angry right and i can feel my also me getting really angry and then I got angry because I was angry because she was making me angry, but I had anger inside. So also it's a nice thing as a practice. It was like, it's just like a check, like, hey, I need to go and sit on my butt for a few days more and longer because I'm getting angry with this poor woman who's crazy, right? Yeah. She's not here. I have the anger in me. And she kind of pushed my buttons, but it was like, it was a checklist. Okay, crazy number six. Still need to practice more today.
1: This is it. I mean, it is this wonderful... story, you know, if if I have this cup and there's tea in it and someone knocks it, then tea comes out, not coffee, not Coca-Cola, nothing, you know, but tea comes out. Uh, So if someone bumps me verbally or physically, what comes out? Anger or worry or love and compassion? If anger and worry comes out, it means we have anger and worry inside of us. If love comes out, then it means we have love inside of us and we can change that, you know. And so this is why we practice what comes out when someone bumps you.
0: Yeah. And I, I was reading a Buddhist that anger is actually a great thing because it's moving energy and you can actually make a change.
1: Yes, so absolutely.
0: We can also change our relationship to anger and worry and see it more as messenger. So. Yes. I, you know you have a very successful career you travel the world but I wanted to ask you one question I'm asking this question to everyone we always talk about you know Reiki or to grow as practitioners but we seldom share our mistakes or oops or like shit what did I do now so we'd love for you to share one that you feel comfortable with uh, because I've learned my biggest lessons as teacher and practitioner and myself in my self-practice from making mistakes you know so yeah. I would love to hear yours.
1: I think it's one big mistake. My whole career is one big mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I think, you know, like this is the problem. I think we are, for me, ultimately, I think my biggest mistake is really that, I often fall back on that ego thing, you know, the, the the me, poor me, I, 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 is a very common thing for me. So that's, that's, as you say, like anger, it's a really good tool and say, oh, Franz, you're, you're, getting distracted again with the me thing. No, it is a great book and it's called No Self, No Problem. Of course there is a self, but if we have let go of the I, you right, of the me, me, me thing, then we're okay. Well oh, it is, again, it's in the precepts. Who gets angry? I get angry. Who gets worried? I get worried. No, I, no one home to get angry or worried. So yeah, my issue is uh, sometimes I have very specific Things what I find really difficult to let go of, and um, but they are they are great learning tools for me as well. So in a way, I don't really see them as a mistake because when it happens, I realize, oh, I need, as you said, I need to sit more on my butt. I need to work on this, and and so therefore they're really great pointers for self exploration. Yeah
0: maybe we're getting more compassionate than we think you know, with ourselves But this yeah so i love that and again you're human and a leo so the icing is very... wow, wow i honestly haven't seen you except photobombing every picture when you were in new york everyone i haven't seen you very much in the eye so i wanted to before we end with your goal i wanted a little bit uh to zero in on attunement so so that, you know, I've been, this especially with the pandemic, yeah. I noticed hope as practitioners, we're really not, we don't have a deep understanding of what an attunement is. And again, for everybody, attunement, initiation, reju, is all the same thing. It's the procedure or the ritual where the teacher kind of trains their student or initiates will be a better word. But I've had people trying to sell me attunements for $40. I had people calling me to get an attunement so they could sell sessions for 100 but they wanted to pay me 30 And I've also had people saying like, of course, I can do an attunement if I check my notes from three years ago. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been my answer like three, four, like five, six years ago, right? So I'm not, this is not a judgment. This is just the way we're training our community. Are we giving them all the information about attunements? And because most of us just learn the ritual, there is a lot, there are very few practitioners with the depth that you have because you've practiced probably like a million of them. Uh, I was very fortunate to get quite a few. So I wanted a little bit for you. Can you explain, and I'm going to use the word reju from now on, what a reju is or how will you define reju?
1: Well, let let me first, because I I think also in in the wider Reiki community, there is a very misunderstanding about reju and achievement. They think it's two different things, but actually the word achievement doesn't, accessed in japan he needed a word initiation hey these are english words so in japan there's one word what is "reju," and "reju" has different rituals they all do the same thing some are very simple some are very elaborate and it would depend on the student and on the teacher both right uh what kind of ritual you use some have no symbols and mantras some do have symbols and mantras Again, that is not enough. I mean, I can, uh, many years ago, one student at France, we can teach a monkey how to perform this ritual, but it doesn't mean they can perform a reju. So yeah, let's call it reju from now on. But remember, reju, tumult initiation, one and the same thing. So often we think it's just a physical ritual, But I can go outside here and teach this ritual to someone. They can do it in half an hour, right? It's not that difficult. doesn't mean they can do reju. Traditionally, reju is a spiritual blessing. If you translate it, spiritual blessing, spiritual offering, spiritual giving slash receiving, means it's spiritual in nature. So if my mind is really confused, full of anger, full of worry, full of fear, full of attachments, if my mind is not really empty, right? Emptiness, right? So emptiness, no me, no you, completely wide open, then mm, the physical ritual is not infused with this, and therefore it Lacks the depth of it. And traditionally, where Raja comes from is uh, you can trace this back in Japan. And if you look at it, these rituals were only being taught to people who became a priest or a priestess. What means they had already a super, super long training. They were first a monk or a nun, then They did the priest or priestess training, which was really, really intense, right? And only then they were taught these particular rituals. Because they knew it was not the physical ritual, it's your state of mind. And this is why the state of mind of Reju is the most important element. What is this state of mind? Emptiness, non-duality, enlightenment, ultimately, I've been very fortunate to have rituals like this being performed for myself by priests priestesses um very very different, very, very different than anything you've ever received you, between brackets um and for me you know it's it just
0: is so. potent so clear
1: that these rituals the essence of it is really how you've tapped into your own inner luminosity and not just a little bit and you know I know some people they say oh I'm really one I'm in this non-dual space cut the crap really it's quite easy cut the crap There is a Buddhist teacher who has a very easy test for you. And I like him a lot. He um, He's quite outspoken. And he said, if you keep talking about that you're in this oneness space, very easy test, buy a candle, lit the candle, stick your hand in the flame and keep saying, I'm one with the flame. If you burn your hand, shut up and keep practicing. (laughs) Because if you're really one with the flame, fire cannot burn fire. It's very simple. But, you know, we have these concepts and we think so superficial about these. And then, you know, we have to be, again, this is why we have to be brutally honest with ourselves, and really investigate and realize, therefore, that the essence of these rages is ultimately non-duality. What means? No giver, no receiver, nothing to give. Just pure luminosity.
0: That is beautiful. A very different training. Well, actually I got a very decent training, but still different than when I got the first round. But I think also it's interesting when you say no giver, no receiver, right? So a lot of times when as teachers, we perform Reju, we feel we're enabling our students to connect more consciously with the key. We're giving them the ability to channel Reiki different, according to the lineage, the language changes. But you're talking that as a teacher, you're you're really no giver and there is no receiver. So can you just elaborate a little bit?
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, really, it's it's about realizing that you are Reiki. Mikasui, again, pointed that so wonderfully out that your essence is already great bright light. Yeah, he pointed this out in the Reiki two symbols and mantras, uh, the Reiki three symbols and mantras. You are Kami. You are Buddha. You are great bright light you are already inherently no anger no worry no fear being grateful being true to your way and your being and being compassionate but we've forgotten about this we put all these layers over this beautiful bright light so reju is not that i give you light i'm not giving you reiki because you are reiki already hopefully during the read you can become aware that you are this luminosity already maybe for a split second this is why i really like mrs Takata's translation as initiation you will have maybe the initial experience that you are for a moment maybe a split second oh here is my great bright light here is my no anger no worry here is my compassion And when we have that for an initial experience, we can use it as a seed, right? As a trace. And then we have to water that seed, of course. And it's very simple. Some people say, oh, but you only need one or two or five or four initiations, depending on the lineage and tradition. And that's it. And I don't believe in this. And it's, again, very easy to test. Because the essence of the system of Reiki is the precepts. If one initiation or Reju, an attunement, brings you into full state of no more anger, no more worry, no more fear, etc., cetera, perfect, right? But we all know that even after 10 of those Rejus, that is definitely not the case. So it means one Reju, or one achievement, or four radios, or four achievements is not enough. You have to again and again and again, until one day this initial experience is a full-blown full, full blown experience, and for the rest of your life, you're in this space of luminosity, no anger, no worry, and no fear. And even then, we have to receive more radio achievement, because... Even if I have a diamond and it's pure and clean, if I let it sit, it still attracts dust. So if I don't dust it, it becomes dusty. So again, we have to. But nowadays, no, only four or only three, and that's it for the rest of your life. Again, be honest with yourself and check for yourself. These four achievements or radius or initiation bring you into full space of no more anger, no more worry, no more fear, et cetera. Then we have to honestly say to ourselves, no, that is not the case.
0: No, and every lineage has a very different approach. I know like when we practice Japanese traditional, we actually even offer attunements in Reiki circles, which is from some lineages. So again, every lineage may have different rules, so yeah. what would you recommend, even if I'm like a Western practitioner, in terms of how do I share attunements with people?
1: Well, it, again, it, it comes from your own direct experience. And yeah. how deep or how have you laid bare your true self? That, that is really, it, it comes essential. I use often this very simple uh, explanation, And it's a little bit like this. Let me see if I can get a word. This is the great bright light, right? So if I do read you or even healing on you and I come with my luminosity, I shine on you, then hopefully you can find your luminosity. But if I am still touching in the dark, no light, because I haven't really sat on my butt to do my practice. I still have a lot of anger and worry and fear, then I come to you, you might of course you might feel something and you might sense something. But you haven't really have the possibility to find your light, because my light is still covered with all this shit. right? Indeed. <laughs> so if my light, true practice is that brightness is laid bare more and more and more and more and more, then, of course, there is more possibility for you to find your luminosity, right? Sometimes we stick our luminosity in a furthest corner of, my, of our mind. So if only a weak light comes, that light is not reaching the light of the furthest corner of your mind. That makes sense?
0: Makes total sense.
1: So therefore... Again, the more I've laid bare my luminosity, my great bright light, the more possibility there is for you. But again, it always takes two to tango. So for you to receive, this needs to be empty, right? And this is, we often also don't know how to receive because what is that empty? I need to be empty when I receive. Empty of the self, empty of attachment, empty of worry, empty of fear, etc. Cetera, etc.
0: Cetera. You know, I can see how sometimes when someone has a very like emotional reju or powerful residue, whatever we want to label it, which we shouldn't. The second one, there, the expectation make it like it's almost really hard to meet in the space of residue, right? So yes. expectations are a big thing when it comes to experience, and uh, when you're experiencing it or receiving quote marks. Yeah. Uh, it's really so also. And again, I want to have this podcast to present POVs and everybody will have a different POV on this. So I don't want my next question to sound disrespectful to anyone, but now they're also sending attunements uh, to upgrades. Uh, So I wanted to have your traditional, like again, every POV and every lineage has a different uh, point of Mm -hmm. view, but when you come from the Japanese tradition and you hear an attunement to an upgrade, uh, how could you see that from, from your lineage? from your point of view? Well,
1: from, again, you know, we only have to look at uh, flower arrangement, Zen, uh, Japanese martial arts, all these Japanese traditions. I'll talk about the same thing, non-duality, right? So I, and that you are the universe already. So how can I get an upgrade, right? An upgrade is really dualistic. You have this and now I get you this. And then of course, 6 months later they have to have another upgrade what probably cost another few hundred dollars so for me is really a great marketing skill really you know to be bluntly um and we fall for it because we we want more upgrades How, why we have that constantly on our phone upgrade next upgrade wow now we have the iPhone 29 you know and X, Y, Z, and we get to buy it. And now we have an upgrade with our Reiki. And now we have Reiki Z, Y, Q, what is even more powerful. But then we give our power away because we are the universe. This is the most important element, what Mikasu was trying to tell us. And all these Japanese spiritual teachings as well. You are the universe. What means you have everything inside of you already.
0: It's an act of remembering in a way. It's
1: about remembering, yes.
0: No, and I love that you were so open. I really appreciate it because I want, and again, if I have someone who works in upgrade with a different point of view, I want to have all of that because I see one thing sometimes in our community, we're not that open about what we think about things, but I think it will help that we all give our point of view over these different things because if not, we don't understand it. We basically have only one source yeah. And as, I, I trained as a journalist and I needed at least to have two sources to be able to quote anything when news were real Absolutely. in the 90s, yeah. you know, and if I didn't have two sources, it wasn't a fact. So I really appreciate you being open with that. So keeping on with that, uh, remote attunements, uh, what is your POV on remote attunements? And it's becoming really, really uh, probably a, a point of like design during the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. So I would love your honest opinion as well.
1: <laughs> well, I think, you know, uh, this is a problem we have nowadays that people think that for Reiki, all you have to do is have the attunement, voila, and that's it. Now you are a Reiki one, now you're a Reiki two, now you're a Reiki three. They think often also that the Reiki attunement makes you into a Reiki one, makes you into a Reiki two, makes you into a Reiki three. And we don't really have to practice. No, the energy is intelligent, it just flows wherever it's needed. We have simplified it so much. But if we really think about it, like really, really clearly think about it, then ultimately we come to the conclusion that it doesn't make any sense at all. So, of course, healing, Reju, we can go into that space of beyond time, distance, etc., non-duality. But if we again really honest then that is very difficult again you can do the candle trick you know test do you burn yourself or not so real non-duality is not really easily experienced and therefore also distance achievements or Reju is not always. We might say, of course it works. Of course we feel something if I go, oh yeah, here it is, yes, no, no, now it's coming. Of course, something is taking place. But to learn the system of Reiki, we have to have not just the Reju, we have to understand the precepts. We have to understand the symbols and mantras. We have to understand the hands-on healing. We have to understand the meditation practices and ultimately that is bestly done in person great these kind of things through zoom but as you can see you can only see me from here so even in some classes online i can switch off my camera i might actually having a coffee and not really participating in a meditation <laughs> while you talk through a meditation and we don't know half of it you know and this is why all the Japanese teachers, like Hiroshi Doi, uh, Yakutin etc., all tell us, please do not teach Reiki 1, 2, and 3 online. They are actually quite against it. And because they know there is so much more than just the achievement or Reiju.
0: No, I love that because I think the discussion has centered more about do I get an attunement online or not versus... You know, again, that doesn't make the practice versus do I understand the system well
1: yeah.
0: during a class? And I love shifting because I think we put too much weight on the attunement sometimes. Absolutely, today, yeah. Everyday practice is it's what really makes a difference. Like I got attunements and they were wonderful, but after a few days I didn't practice and they were, you know, sometimes I could feel the energy quote marks. Other days I was like completely, it was gone. And I hear a lot of people like, oh, my Ricky's gone, right?
1: This is it. This is absolutely it. I mean, you hear this really, for nowadays, the other day I heard someone uh, say something, uh, it was written down. And uh, yes, you, you can just draw the symbol over someone and they're protected. That's it. Very easy. And I go, really, if you can do this, please do it on everybody. We don't need to fax in for Corona because they're protected. No more Corona in the world. Just go and stand on Trafalgar Square and just draw it on every person. Next. And then you teach it to someone else. So you give them a quick achievement. And then now they can do this symbol over everybody else. And everybody's protected. And no one has Corona anymore. And they go, what? He, yeah. No, no, it doesn't work like that. Yeah, but you were telling me that everybody is protected now when you draw this over a symbol and or the symbol over someone so we have to really not just be a parrot and repeat something but we have to think about it and this is the most important thing how can we think about it clearly is to sit down on a butt and you know calm our mind so that we see things clearly
0: and i think i'm deviating because what you said is really important i think We talk a lot about the the concept of protection in Reiki, especially probably Western, but again, Western Reiki is probably 80 to 90% of the practitioners, at least in the United States. And for me, one thing when I was starting, because for me, I see Reiki as a practice, not just as a ritual, right? So I practice often. And one day I'm like, how can I be completely open uh, if I'm protecting myself. And yeah. is protection coming from worry if I'm not supposed to worry? So I don't know if you can elaborate a little bit on the fact of protection within the system of Reiki.
1: Well, I think it's in generally in everything, you know, uh, the, the, the idea we have to ask ourselves, why do you want to protect yourself? right? And then we come to the conclusion, fear and worry. Right? Fear or worry, fear or worry of the self right, of the I, I might pick something up, now I have your issues, so it's all about the I again, when we soften that I, no self, no problem, right, therefore wide open, and this often is seen as being spacious, like space, wide open, we cannot damage space whatsoever, I can get a knife, I can cut here, but space, it will not be damaged, so a mind we need to understand that our true mind is like space. And this, again, Mikosui pointed this out very, very clearly in his teachings with practices like Josh and Koki Hall and the symbols and mantras in Reiki 2 and 3, very clearly points that
0: out. That is beautiful and so simple. So I want to do something because we have quite a few people, even though I made them turn the camera off. So if they want to use the chat box uh, for a question, I would love to do that uh, while we enter your last question, which is a little bit, well, not your last question ever. (laughs) Hopefully, don't stop talking to me after this. So it's a little bit like, again, you've been practicing uh, Reiki for many years. So it's a double question. How do you keep your practice fresh? And juicy because I think some of us by repetition sometimes we we lose a little bit of the juice in our practice yeah a little bit what is your goal so again you're doing a practice where are you headed with that practice
1: um I've never been really goal orientated at all Um, um for me I've never been also in in work in life in anything goal orientated it doesn't interest me I'm just doing what I'm doing Uh, someone said the other, an old friend uh, who lives in Harlem, where I live now, he said, oh, Franz, you'll be doing this for the rest of your life. And I said, well, if I don't like it anymore, I do something else, go and work at the supermarket or whatever. He goes, really? I said, Yeah else I will do my students a disservice. So for me, I don't really, I'm not very goal oriented I'm just enjoying the moment as much as we can, not always easy, but. So for me, uh, the practice, yes, the uh,
0: <clears throat> is, is, is again, just being
1: in that space as much as possible, of non-attachment beginner's mind. And, you know, when we have a goal, we're also holding on very tight. I want this, you know. And then when we hold tight, nothing can move. So we have to practice with open hands. Then everything also stays juicy. But this is not in, only in the system of Reiki. This is why practicing the system of Reiki is how we practice life right if I hold my relationship like this then it will be suffocated if I hold my work life like this suffocation so to keep it fresh we have to hold it in an open hand right without anger and worry and fear very tricky to do and no attachment because if I today sit there oh man this is a really good meditation then tomorrow I practice and I go it's not so good Why do I think it's not so good? Because I compare it to yesterday's meditation. So if we can stop comparing, problem solved. But this is the (laughs) hardest part, right? To stop comparing. So again, we can see this really within the precepts. Often people say, oh, but the precepts don't have the word comparing in it. No, not really. And they go, no, there's no anger, no worry, no fear. But if you look Deep within the precepts, of course, you come to the word comparing, not in written form, but it's hidden in the inner meaning of the precepts. Why do we worry, right? Why do we get angry? So then we come again, for example, to comparing. And so if we can stop or soften our comparing, then our practice, our life stays juicy.
0: No, that is true, and I love the part about not grasping with the like the closed hand, right? Because that's what we do. And the other thing mm-hmm. is, I love because your practice is very joyful, and if, if, honestly that has been an inspiration for me. I only teach if I feel like teaching. I will enjoy it. If if I start seeing as a chore, which I tend to do in my life, I tend to take everything I make into very structure. Yeah. Then I stop, right? Because it should be a joyful experience for our students. Absolutely. And you're pretty good at joyfulness during class. But I think this is
1: also, I think, a really uh, tricky one is where people start to practice Reiki to earn a living. And this, I don't think, is a good thing. We have to practice to have a direct experience of our great luminosity, of our inner luminosity. Then we can share that as. A living or to earn some money so uh Dogen, a zen master i think I'm, I'm paraphrasing here he said um within food and clothing there is no enlightenment but within enlightenment there is food and clothing and you know for me this is so important so we have to check also as reiki teachers and practitioners our motivation what is our motivation
0: no and i love that because i think A lot of us are struggling, especially with the pandemic. But most of us we learn Reiki too, and we want to make it a business, right? Because it's a very pleasant thing.
1: Yeah. But
0: then what happens is, first of all, it's not an easy thing. We're not that well trained, or we're not trained as entrepreneurs. And then, for making money, we start sacrificing or just changing our practice, right? Yeah. It's is, and yet the most successful people I know and having a practice are people who actually are living the precepts. The, and then some really good marketing people as well. But but in general, the people I respect that make a living out of it, they are very compassionate and centered people, very grounded people. Yeah. So I, I think for me, for example, it's transformed. Like a freelance, I do advertising, but now I'm grateful for advertising because it allows me to live my practice as I want to. And, you know, because I'm not really good at handling the money part with Reiki, right? Because I don't want to change the way I teach. I don't want to change the way I communicate. That is really important. Absolutely. So I think also having, and this evolves, but I think for all of us to have clear that it's, it's a little bit difficult sometimes, especially with, when we come out of an eight-hour training with the professional certificate, right?
1: Yeah, then we come back to integrity, really, ultimately, right? Being honest. and uh, But this, you know, we live in such a instant gratification. Quick, 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 Cannot now I'm a Ricky Monster. Hmm.
0: I know. Well, we all been through that. And, you know, I love, like, I know, like, there is no mistake we learned from it, but I, I really appreciate that my first trainings were a little bit off because it, I went through, a, it was really hard for me to have like a steady practice, a daily practice. And I'm actually very grateful because when like most of us go through this, you're yeah. very focused and you always practice, but, but it makes you understand and value when you finally get like a deeper, richer practice. And it's something you don't want to sacrifice that easily, right? So. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, this is why I like going to my teacher in Japan. A, he really presses buttons. He, he's not taking any prisoners. He's checking to see, do I get angry? Do I get worried? Do I get fearful, etc. And, you know, he's really uh, keeping tabs on my, the way I practice, the way I teach, the way I behave. And they are very, very dedicated. I mean, you talk about... You know, practice from like four in the morning till 11 at night for a week and a half or three weeks you know really making sure you have this direct experience as much as possible of your great bright light
0: what happens when you get angry do they not talk to you or laugh at you
1: oh when i i'm
0: i, I never ask
1: you that you <laughs> get it i could do get angry sometimes Uh, But uh, I think when I'm really getting angry, you don't want to be in my neighborhood. I can't remember the day that I got really angry. Uh, It's a long, long time ago. But then I have this, I don't know, I'm a Leo. And then I feel like there's this black coming over my eyes and I could bite someone's head off. And um, it's rare that I have that kind of... Anger, it happened, of course, in the past, uh, definitely, but uh, I can't remember the exact date anymore, but it's a long time ago. Some people say, oh, you're you're a bit angry. I said, "Mm, no, no, that is not really angry. I might be a bit pissed off, but if you see me angry, then you know really that I'm angry. I'm going to bite your head off.
0: I hope I want my head on my neck, so I hope I never see you angry. (laughs) Me neither. I don't like it. <laughs> it's, I, I think the most I've seen is a little bit irritated when people change the chairs and they're not exactly the way they
1: should. <laughs> That's my OCD, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Do not worry, friends. And I really want to thank you for the time uh, that you share with us and all your amazing wisdom for uh, just being so honest and open and. Talking things that sometimes for some people may be a little bit, you know, whoa, what is this? Right. So, because we all practice differently. And again, I do want to bring all those points of views. So we will have different Ricky masters expressing their own. I think as a community, again, do not worry, do not anger. The more we learn mm-hmm. to listen and respect the points of view, we can actually gain a deeper understanding of the practice, which is the whole idea of this endeavor. And for those of you who wants to reach friends, where can they reach you best, friends?
1: um my website www.ihreiki.com uh facebook Franz Dino or international house of reiki etc you will find it
0: and you're pretty approachable you always answer even when you didn't know people you answer so i want to say as that much I-
1: as possible i try
0: <laughs> every morning with a croissant very fast that's it unless you're really freaky and then you scare him off <laughs> but I also want to announce that in March we're going to have uh, Caitlin Prasad, so we're switching from deep Japanese Reiki to animal Reiki, but she's a beautiful practitioner with lots of experience, and honestly, I was reading a lot about her and hearing a very Japanese approach to animal Reiki that felt very beautiful, so I'm excited about that, and France, there are no words to express my gratitude uh, for this podcast, For just being the bright light that you are. And I'm going to stop, like, gushing about how much I love you because you know that already. Um, But still, it has nothing to do. I want to say that we have very clear boundaries when your teacher, you know, you're an amazing teacher and we're, like, student and teacher. So I really appreciate all of this. Any last words? Yeah,
1: always great to hang out with you and practice together. And also, yeah, I think this is really important to laugh and have fun and do great things. And that's a life, life, yes.
0: And I think it's the first serious thing we do after my series of how to survive Friends teen as a host. Great. You. Thank you so much. Have a great day. And there is a lot of thank you on the chat box and uh, that people love the interview. So I'll see you soon. Talk to you soon. To all of you. You can reach me again to Patreon, a message if you have any questions on how to reach friends. It will be posted with all his information on the Patreon uh, homepage. It will also be on YouTube in around five days towards the end of the week. Spotify, uh, the iTunes, all the podcast apps that you may want. So you can enjoy this interview and maybe replay it because there is a lot of beautiful information here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Beso. Thank you for listening to the Dive into Reiki podcast. You can read a full transcript of today's interview at diveintoreiki.com slash blog. If you found this episode helpful, please hit the subscribe button, leave me a review, or just share it with your friends. It makes all the difference. Thank you, gracias, merci.